0: 11.05 and time to go back to Gene Shepherd. Oh what a sad bunch of orgy ass. <laughs> All you gotta do is tell a crowd to, to make the sound of an orgy And they go whoopee <laughs> Oh man we're back at the limelight And, and listen it's, it's summertime It's nutty time The heat lays out here on New York City like a fat lady, sitting on a camp bench at a picnic. The heat is just radiating out, laying out there. And don't you feel it in you? Out of context, out of personality, nuttiness because of the heat. Have you ever one day sat down, you know, and you're sweating in your car? that's dripping down and all of a sudden without any warning you leap up run right out through a plate glass window <laughs> say I'm going oh, yeah! and then all of a sudden you're out there and you stand oh wait wait excuse me friends <laughs> just thinking of something else
1: <laughs>
0: well <laughs> I don't think there is a man who is more controlled by rules by regulations and by an unspoken set of mores than a guy in the army. Oh, boy, they're really there, you know. And it's, it's, it's a peculiar thing. You know, a lot of guys, when they get out of the army, vaguely miss that. They miss it. Now, why do they miss it? Well, it's funny. It's hard to explain to women that a guy in the army has got a lot of things going for him. But one thing, he's got the same suit as everybody else. Nobody can blame him or call him a slob with no taste. <laughs> everybody in the Army's a slob with no taste, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's the truth. You walk around, you've got the same suit as everybody, see? And, you know, some hang a little more, others are cut a little different, you know? Some guys got little different badges up here, other guys got different patches. But it's all essentially the same thing, and over the army hangs this great umbrella of how you should be. And you'll learn very quickly in the army. It's 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 a whole series of things. It's very hard to explain why, but you'll learn quickly on all the little nuances of voice to use. Do you know that there are at least twenty-six thousand cataloged methods, ways of saying yes, sir? And at least 15,000 of them are obscene. <laughs> oh, yeah, you say, yes,
1: sir.
0: <clears throat> Or you can say, yes, sir. You know, there's that kind. Or you can say, yes, sir. He'll give you a double take. That's that little moment. And it's, all, it's, it's, it's as complex, believe me, it's as complex as an Oriental 4th century B.C. dance. The life in the Army. And all these little things, you know, mean different things to guys in the Army. And so you see a PFC, that's just PFC, that's Charlie. You see a guy with two stripes, that's Charlie. You notice the slight difference in the name? You see a guy with three stripes, that's Sarge. And then there's a guy with four stripes, and that's Sergeant. And then there's the guy that's got stripes hanging all the way down the line. And that is that rotten you-know-what. You just say it, see, in all these little subtleties. And there are some things in the army that go beyond all comprehension. A total crime. Now, what is a total crime in civilian life? I'm not talking about murdering somebody. That's an obvious crime. I'm talking about a crime against the nature of civilian life. Imagine yourself, Fifth Avenue, high noon, it's Wednesday, there are eight million ladies in town for the matinee, and you're walking along Fifth Avenue, no pants. (laughs) Cause a little excitement, doesn't it, though, in front of sacks, you know, you walk along there, you know, you're working for the jockey short company and showing them, you know, well, there are things in the Army that are even more tightly controlled, and I am in the Army now for three years. You got that scene? I'm, a, I'm an old, established veteran. I've got, you know, a couple little things, and i got a, one little, two little stripes at that time. <laughs> very temporary. i got two little stripes, see? And I have been assigned. Now, this is a very dangerous thing. All of you ex-GIs know this. It's hot. And there's been a couple of things happen, disastrous things. One thing led to the next. I find myself at a clinic, then in a hospital, and my company ships where I'm known and I'm loved. My family, you know? I, you know, it's a funny thing. Your family often merely consists of known dangers, you know, known evils. And so my family ships out. My company's gone. And I hear rumors. See, I'm in the hospital. Somebody says, hey, did you hear about company catered? They're shipped. I said, no, no. I'm alone. Nothing but the army around me. Fourteen million guys. I... Who what? Captain Cherry is gone. Hated Captain Cherry. They're gone. And they put me in... Well, you know, it's a funny thing about the army. I I know why people love to hear army stories. Because they're like real life. (laughs) (laughs) They're far more like real life than any fiction about real life is because the real things are there. For example, do you know that in the Army they've got an organization that strikes terror into the hearts of every ex-GI. It's called the Casual Company. The Casual Company is the Army's equivalent of the Unemployment Service Office. Over there on 42nd Street, you know, where all those guys that are out of work stand in lines that they feel rotten and rejected? Well, they put me in this company. It's, it's a casual company. No, oh, you don't know anybody. The temperature is 107 degrees. And every day I would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and stand in line with a bunch of guys I don't know. And a sergeant I didn't know would walk up and down in front of the company. Are right, you guys. You're in casual company. That means you are the Army's rejects. You're here for one purpose and that is to do all the scut details in this whole camp. And I want to tell you, any of you guys thinking of going AWOL, I will bust you poisonily over my knee. Any questions? I just stood. There were no questions. No questions. And all of us in that company, 200 in that casual company, have been in the Army at least three years apiece. Half of us had been overseas. The other half had struggled through all kinds of training camps, had been rejected and hurt and injured. And finally, three, four years later, here they are all standing at the culmination of their career. Rejects in a casual company. And by the way, that's one thing a casual company ain't casual. You walk around in a casual company like this.
1: You know, you sit down, you...
0: You know, and guys, when they're writing letters home, they sit like this. They keep revolving. They write, and they got their trench knife here. It's every man for himself in a casual company, and you've never seen anything like a casual company lining up for detailed assignments. There's two hundred guys and you can't see them. Two hundred men all lined up in the company street and they have they have perfected personal camouflage to such a point that there's just a shifting mass, a gray fog. When the sergeant's trying to say, You six over there, they're shifting. You know, they're moving back and forth, you know. I have known I've known guys that had a fielding range of thirty feet who didn't move an inch me back and shifting you know Oh, <laughs> well, that's very true i'll tell you and, and you in the army you perfect the art of standing at attention and your eyes are focused out there and no one can get the attention of your eyes <laughs> and i've had guys look me right in the face and they keep bobbing and standing look at me look at me <laughs> you gotta keep those eyes shifting <laughs> These are little things you learn after a while in the army, you know. Well, I don't know what happened. Now it's something you know. All of us have gone through these inexplicable moments, really seriously in life, where something happens that has absolutely no explanation. Have you ever gotten a job in a company and all of a sudden, for no reason, everybody hates you?
1: <laughs>
0: you don't know what you did, you know. You go, "What's, what's the matter, fellas?" And nothing. Let's go out to lunch gang. You see, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, "No, no, you've got to stay and watch the shop. You look like that? Well, for some reason, Ruth, right. see, it is quite obvious that I'm an eminently lovable man. Correct gang?? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought. All right, George, even my clack is failing tonight. Well, you know, I've always gotten along pretty good. you know, I learned it at, at the age of when I was about in second grade that there are two ways to get through life. One way is to have talent. The other way is to be shifty (laughs) and be loved. They go hand in hand, see. And I realized that very early in second grade, I had absolutely no head for geography. I couldn't master the Amazon River tributary system. (laughs) I never could understand the cheap exports of Brazil. I couldn't remember it. I'd look at it and I would forget it instantly, you know. I did. And, and ten minutes later, she says, uh, What's the chief exports of Brazil? I, uh, Wrigley's gum.
1: <laughs> you know, something
0: would come over the mind. So I realized I am not smart, you know. <laughs> Have you noticed that in today's world, there's no such thing as dumb kids? There's just underdeveloped kids. Underexploited, bas- <laughs> underexploited basically great minds. Well, I came out of the age when there were dumb kids. You you're just dumb, you know, and you sit back and you're dumb. You know it, and you begin to accept it, see? There are smart kids in the class, and then there's a great middle ground, and then there's the dumb kids. And that's me and Doppler and a couple of other guys, Flick and Schwartz, sitting back. we're the dumb kids, see? And, you know, it's great. You have no idea what a fantastic feeling of a tremendous achievement it is So raise your hand, like, real quick, you know. It's been three and a half months. Your arm is stiff, you know. Like that, see. And Miss Shields can't believe it. She says, all right, go ahead. You can go, Gene. I said, no, no, I know the answer. I know the answer. She expects only one thing when you put your hand up, you know. And she says, what? What is the answer? And you say, the chief export of Argentina is cocoa and beef and hides. There's a moment, a pregnant moment. She says, who told you? (laughs) She suspects Dawn Strickland next to you is feeding you, you see. It's terrible to sit next to one of the smart kids. You grow up hearing nothing but the swish of a hand over your head. (laughs) You're sitting there, you know, you got paralysis of the wrist, you know. You never rest? (laughs) Well, at that age, you know, at, at, at second grade, you begin to learn that you can get her to love you by developing little crinkles around the eyes. She comes in the room, you go. <laughs> you know, and she's up there with the, with the, with the eraser. She says, oh, I'm gonna erase this. She says, now, is there anybody out there who would like to show us how to do this multiplication by seven now, please? Who'd like to? and You,
1: <laughs>
0: you know, she just melts. This old doll melts. Isn't he a cute little boy back there, you know? And there's eight little guys in the background. <laughs> These are all born
1: PFCs.
0: (laughs) They're not exactly uh, privates, you see, because they've learned this fantastic trick. And they're they're never going to be an officer, obviously, you see. All they can hope is one or two little stripes that are thrown to them as a sop just for being there, you know, seniority. Well, I also developed this other trick. Beautiful trick to learn. I developed it at the knee of Miss Shields, who was a tall, thin second-grade teacher, and she had, she had her hair looked like it was Brillo pads, you know. <laughs> that kind of lady. She had rimless glasses. Miss Shields. She was a great lady. Miss Bernice Shields. And even to this day, you know, every time I hear that name, Miss Bernice Shields, I kind of, kind of shiver. And she used to look down, and I developed the technique of the shifting eyeball. <laughs> Yeah, it's very good for the eye muscles. And both of your eyes go back and forth, see? Try to get my eye here, see? I look right at you, see? It's very difficult, isn't it? (laughs) See, My eyes just kept moving, and you never move your head, see? It's very good. And there is no rule in the army that says your eyeballs have to stop. (laughs) Keep your eyes front. Now, your eyes are pointing front, but your eyeballs can continue to go, see, like this. And the sergeant would walk back and forth in front of 200 guys whose eyeballs are spinning. <laughs> this is a crowd of trained, hardened, grizzled, battle veterans who know where the real battle is, you know. It's on the details, see? It's shifting like that. Well, it was hot. Now, I can't explain this. I, I, I'm a technician at this point, you see, already after three years. I'm a technician of getting sergeants to love me. This is one of the things you learn in the Army. You get sergeants, you work on, on hoping to get sergeants to love you and officers to pity you. They're two separate things. And so I, I worked on this. You know, once in a while when Captain Cherry would come along, I, there's a way of holding your head. And he feels, what hell he's been through. I am a captain. He is but a PFC. I should go easy on him. And he walks on. That doesn't work with first sergeants. Not a bit of it. You've got to work on love. You have got to somehow say, "Hey, Sarge, uh, <laughs> gee, I, I I got a funny hobby, Sarge, it embarrasses me. I got this hobby. You know, I don't get a chance much to do my hobby in the army." Got a funny hobby, Sarge? He says, what is your hobby? <laughs> He's ready, see. He so, well, it's hard to explain, but my hobby is Simonizing cars.
1: <laughs>
0: and and I, I see your car out there, Sergeant. I just I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but I just thought I'd like to, you know, go out. In a couple hours I got off, I'd like to simonize your Chevy. Uh want to keep the wrist in, you know. There's a lot of wrist action works in there, and I just I don't want you to think I'm sucking around or anything like that. I just it's my hobby, you know. Well, after find it works, you see, the sergeant loves you. He loves you. Well, I don't know. See, I'm three years in the army. I've been working this pretty good, you know, all these things, and I've got a way of looking, of looking at a guy with stripes that say, you know, there's a way you can get in your eye. It says, I admire a man of achievement, and you look at the stripes,
1: <laughs>
0: up and down like that. You know, some guys got stripes all the way up and down the other side. You know, down the feet and up around. You just look. <laughs> There's a way of looking with admiration. See, and this first sergeant's walking around. He's got a pot hanging around. He walks around like this. We had a guy, you know, you, I see the frug. And I can remember Sergeant Kowalski. He was doing that years ago. <laughs> That's the way he walked, you know. He'd walk around. He's got the thing going like this. There's a certain arrogance, too, that develops in sergeants because they can go in the mess hall when everything is dark and the cooks bring out these fantastic steaks for them. All first sergeants are carnivores. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we used to, I remember one of the moments you were walking, but these are the moments in, in the army you never, you never see in movies. But it's the PFCs and the corporals are all out after Reveille, see, after supper. And they, they've got nothing to do, they're just walking around. And they're in the middle of nowhere, They're maybe 17 million miles from civilization. And they, all you can hear is the sound of a truck a weapons carrier going by. And you hear a couple of radios. You just walk around, and you're dressed up, by the way. You always dress up for a retreat. This is when they bring the flag down. You know, it's funny, have you ever seen them take the flag down in front of the Sperry Rand building? They got a big flagpole there. The other day, I saw three guys instinctively walking past knife Building. They're bringing a flag. Three guys went around like this. <laughs> Old PFCs, you know, instinctively, there is attention, see, waiting there. And they're waiting for the chow call. Well, I'm standing in a row seat, walking around at night. This is a moment you never see in the Army. Everybody's been eating at the mess hall. Now, I don't know whether you know what real Army food is like, as opposed to the jokes about Army food. Army food is not the way they say it is, it's worse. <laughs> It really is. It doesn't taste bad. It just doesn't taste good. No, you can't eat it. That's the trouble with it. You can eat it and eat it, and nothing happens. <laughs> just eat it and eat it. it you your bulge, and that's it. You walk out, you know. Then somebody immediately says, let's go down to PX and get something to eat. <laughs> You've already put away 9 million calories, but nothing happens. You know, it's totally tasteless. It's a fascinating kind of food, see. And, and, and it's, all, it's completely varied. They'll have, for example, one of the big things in the army is beets. They're cabbage flavor. Then they have cabbage that's carrot flavor. Then they have carrots that's French toast flavor. And then they'll bring out fish. You know, have you ever had fish in the army? That's a fantastic experience. One end is a cinder. And the other end's flopping. <laughs> You know, and you hold it, you know, and it jumps like that. Oh, yeah, I've had chickens that's clucked right in front of me. And all the while, they're crying because one leg's been cooked. (laughs) So you can't say you don't get good food in the Army. I guess it's a special technique that they have, you know. So after a while, after three years in the Army, you know, you don't even think of eating. You just go down and you're sitting, you get up, you walk out, you know. And you can't remember instantly after it's over. Nobody remembers what you had. And one new guy in a company will say, Oh, wow, wasn't that great? Gee, it was fried liver tonight. Wow. It's a fried liver. What coming in? You've had seven pieces of fried liver. You don't know it. Well, one of the great moments in the Army is as it's getting dark, just as dusk is falling, that beautiful moment of even song, and off in the distance you can hear nightingales calling somewhere you can hear muffled curses in the day room you know fist fights beginning down there it's the evening fight down there there's always two hillbillies that can't write in every company boy I don't know I don't know you have no idea how many southerners there are until you get in the army every third guy says hey Mac come on where you you think you're going Mac He's an MP, he's got a big white hat, you know, and he clubs you in the back of the head. They get a lot of practice, you know, down there. Well, every, every, seriously, every, oh, stop it now. What a rotten mind. Every last company's got two or three guys that are the drinkers that sit in the day room and endlessly read letters from girls named Amantha Lee. And every two weeks, he jumps up and says, I'll be damned if I'm going to stay in there I'm getting out of here. And he goes. You never see him again. (laughs) Then they bring in another one. His name is always something like Charlie Ledbetter, you know. They replace one with the other. And he comes in, he's got his guitar, he walks in, he says, Hi, fellas, my name's Ledbetter. (laughs) Hey, here we go. Two weeks later, he comes in, bagged, and he is, I ain't going keep me in his damn outfit! Out he goes. Charlie is busted out again. And, and... Well, one of the great moments in the army, it's, it's, you see, it's that moment of, of, of romance. Twilight. Poets have written about this hour. Shelley, Keats, Wordsworth. And off in the distance, you can see the long, rolling hills of the Ozarks. And off to the right you can smell the Missouri swamps. And you can hear the birds and the owls. And you can hear the sound of PFC's feet moving back and forth in the company street, trying to decide whether or not to go out to the PX or whether to go to the club. Club. You ever been in a club in the middle of the Ozarks? A service club? Well, you'd understand a lot of the headlines that are going on now if you had. It's a very special kind of place, I'll tell you. I'll never forget one time going into a hamburger stand. Me and Gasser We're in this little southern town. We have been on maneuvers for about six weeks. Do you know what a maneuver is? A maneuver is really a war, only in some ways worse. <laughs> It really is, you know. You're laying in the mud hour after hour, mosquitoes, and it's hot, and it's steamy, and you just feel rotten and crummy, and they keep, call- they keep hollering at you. All right, all you guys over there on hill number five, you're dead. <laughs> They're warming you up, you know. You what do you mean dead? They say, well, you've just been aerated. 17 pounds of napalm just got you in the back of the neck. Come on down, you're dead. Okay. One night, we got off, Gasser and I, in the middle of this fantastic maneuver that was being held in the Louisiana swamps, alligators everywhere, and we get into this tiny town and we are ravenous, fantastically hungry. We've been living on C rations and K rations, which means, uh... (laughs) It's hard to explain K rations. That it, it's difficult, you know. Uh, even in K rations, you want to know about K rations. Even in K rations, there's excitement. You'd open up that brown box. They all look the same. It's the Cracker Jack box syndrome. You know that excitement of opening a Cracker Jack box. And you never know what your prize is. Well, you'd open up the K ration box, and you never knew what obscenity you were going to eat tonight. And it came in cans. There was cheese and bacon. And then there was petrified eggs. (laughs) And then there was uh, ham, goose grease, and shoe leather pemmican. And it came in the cans. And there'd be little excitements when you'd open up the can and you wouldn't know what you're going to get for tonight, see? Well, Gasser and I are in this little town. Now, this is the South. I'll always remember this. This is the town. It's about 1,500 people. I don't want to be unfair to the South, but this is exactly what happened. And we, are, we weigh about 43 pounds now, <laughs> both Gasser and I, hallowed, you know, our eyes are hollow staring out of our skulls. Our skin is, is we've, been, we've been under the sun now for six straight weeks and our skin is red, beet red. We've got heat rash that runs all the way down up here and comes out of the top of the head, you know. And our uniforms hung on us like, you know, we'd lost about five sizes and here is a diner. We're in town two and a half minutes. We get out of the bus, we walk along the street, and here's one of those diners, you know, a typical Jersey type diner. You know, the stainless steel diner front, that whole, only in America do you find diners. And here's the stainless steel diner, it's like home. And so Gasser says, how about getting a hamburger? I say, yeah. And I see these guys all sitting at the counter there, you know that diner bit? Gasser and I walk into this place. And we sit down on the stools and we look up at the menu. Hamburgers, 45 cents. Cheeseburgers, 55 cents. Wheat cakes, 40 cents. Bacon, 48 cents. All that, you know. And so I says, I think I'll have a cheeseburger. I'm going to go all the way. Oh, I can taste it, you know. I have in my pocket my entire month's salary. A dollar seventy-six. <laughs> I'm ready to go, you know, ready to swing. Well, they take out for laundry, you know, it's thirty dollars w- a month for laundry. Uh, the army gets it back, I'll tell you. So we're both sitting there, and, and, and Gasser says, "I think I'll have, uh, I think I'll start out with a hamburger, and then maybe I'll have a plate of weeds." And so this guy is walking back and forth there, old roof, you know, typical Southern counterman. Big white hat, big broad back, he walks up. He says, what do you guys want? What do you fellas want, huh? I said, well, a uh, cheeseburger. He's okay. What do you want, Bob? So I'll have a hamburger and some wheats. He's okay, one, one stack of wheats, one cheese, and one regular medium. Right, medium, yeah, okay, one medium. And he turns around and he comes back. And he starts writing out the check right away, see. He writes down for my hamburger one dollar. I said, Oh, the hamburger is forty five cents. He said, one dollar, one hamburger. I said, but but it's 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 forty five cents, it says up there on the thing. One hamburger, one dollar, take it or leave it. You want that hamburger? and both of us got up and walked out into the ambient soft southern air. It seems that there were two prices. There was one price for people and another price for EM, enlisted men. Well, ever since that time, you know, I had this vague feeling of hunger, always hunger. And one of the great, beautiful moments in the Army is it nine o'clock at night when it's beginning to get dark and the fireflies are lighting up the horizon? And you can smell somewhere off in the distance the cottonwood trees. And you walk past the mess hall and there is an aroma that is unmistakable. It's the first sergeant, the exec, the master sergeant, and two staff sergeants sitting down. The four pound T bone steaks. Oh, it's inspiring. And I can remember Gasser and me and all the guys from Company K just walking around the mess hall at night sniffing. And this would make a great moment in the Army and, and, and incidentally in a movie about the Army. Guys going to smell steaks. So now you got the picture. Oh, by the way, speaking of the hierarchy. And speaking of greasy mess halls, what radio station is this? New York! AM and FM, New York. Well, all right, you got the picture, see? It's hot. It's summertime. Shep is an old vet. He's got his uniform so long, now I'm on my third set of suntans already. All cut down, you know, and I've had... You, you can see these places where I've had three different sets of stripes taken off and put back on, you know? <laughs> You could see the little holes there, you know, 14 different kinds of patches. You could see the thing up here where the ribbons have been stolen and torn and put back on again, you know. And I'm standing in this company. Now, I cannot explain it. It was the only time it's happened to me ever, really, and certainly the only time in the Army. This first sergeant, whom I had never seen in my life, took a fantastic dislike to me. He hated me. I can't understand why. I don't even see him. You know, I'm moving back. Eight guys in front of me all the time. And he would take role. And he would, you'd hear him in the morning. See, he says, uh, Watson, Murphy, Schwartz, Shepard. <laughs> Is that... I can't use the phrase on the radio. Do uh, you remember what Truman once said? <laughs> oh, you remember that great Truman phrase that he applied to a music critic in Washington? Three simple letters. He says, is that blankety-blank-blank blank here? I'd say, yeah. There'd be a pause, and he'd move over to the right a little, and he'd look at me. He'd say, yeah. And he would go on. What have I done? What have I done? And every morning, it would build up. It built up. It built up day after day after day. And I'm, I'm knocking myself out. I'm in the grease trap every day, shoveling the stuff, you know. I plucked more chickens than they had in the whole state of Rhode Island. I cleaned out mess halls. I I combed brushes. I I remember one morning, I spent the entire morning with two other G.I.s on the roof of a latrine, washing it down with little pads, cleaning it. I'm doing everything to get loved. But every morning, it's building up. And then came the fatal day. This is what heat will do to you three years in the army remember that I have a clean slate I've been busted I've been re-promoted you know I've been like everybody else in the army I've been a couple of years overseas and back again I've kept my nose clean and my only desire is to stay out of trouble just stay out of trouble that's your chief thing in the army stay out of trouble salute anything that moves salute almost everything that doesn't move holler yes sir every 15 seconds you keep your nose clean old Shep's working at that but every morning in the morning it would come and you know the morning is the most vulnerable time for people you know they wake up it's 5 o'clock in the morning you're, you're naked you're just that ordinary klutz that you were born for about I'd say about 10 minutes and you begin to pull your real you around you you know you gird your loins for the day ahead. I can imagine LBJ waking up. It's up, and it's, 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 it's 7 o'clock in the morning. He's just waking up, and all of a sudden, he's a skinny guy working in a little rotten school in Texas. He wakes up, you know, and for about 10 minutes, he has to get it organized. All of a sudden, he's there in front of his mirror, and he says, I'm president. I'm president. And that's when the day starts. Well, unfortunately, in the Army, they call roll five minutes after you wake up. And so all these naked men are standing there, wearing nothing but raincoats, GI helmets, you know, and the temperature is 140 degrees, and you can smell the French toast that they're fixing for your breakfast down there at the old mess hall. They're frying it in kerosene. Yeah, you smell that. You know, it's all there, part of it. We're all standing there at attention. And he says, Shepherd, you're here, huh? I said, yeah. It's beginning to build. Well, one Saturday, there's only one thing you can hope for when you're in a situation like that. And that's that blessed moment when you're given your pass and you can split out of it. You can go and run and for 48 hours, you're a people. For 48 hours, you can stand there in a the USO, you know, and pretend like you're this great guy, you know. You're a person, and you eat the donuts, and you talk to the chicks, and you have dates, and you walk around under the sky, and you can go any direction you want. You can turn right or left. You can slump. You'd be surprised how great it is to slump, you know. I know a lot of guys that just slump out of principle now, you know they walk around you know because they left it because all the time in the army they keep hollering pull that gut in (laughs) imagine what would happen tomorrow bbd you know (laughs) if somebody hollered all you guys in the copy department pull your guts in (laughs) well instantly you would revert the form 18 guys would you know snap too like that until they forgot well it's that kind of world and it is now friday i have a date I have made contact, you know what I mean man, and I've got this date, and we're going to go down to Atlantic City, to the beach, and I, I can hardly wait. It's, it's, you, you don't realize what swimming means when you have been on the ashes detail for five straight days down at the mess hall you can't believe it it's unbelievable it must be where ahab came from <laughs> you, you imagine it you know you imagine, you can see yourself with an inner tube you know floating around and hollering and eating ice cream cones and it's friday night and i am fixing up tomorrow morning's uniform i'm gonna wear at the inspection we had two uniforms one was your dirty one that was the one that you wore when you're out marching the other is the one you just got back from the cleaners and you protected it. man how many of you can remember the fantastic feeling which is one of the rare true thrills pleasures in the army of putting on a fresh crisp pair of suntans it's a great feeling they smell like soap and starch you've just taken a shower you've shaved that crisp that, you know, that crease that runs down? And you feel great for that 30 seconds till it begins to wilt. You can almost feel it going, Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. And you can hear the crack of the starch as it's limping down. But for that few brief moments, you're fantastic. Well, here I am. It's Friday night scene. I've got my uniform that I'm going to wear tomorrow on the date. I've got my dop kit out. I'm going through all the stuff that I'm going to take away for the two days. You know, I've got my shaving stuff. I've got my swimming trunks, which I bought at the PX signal Corps flags, you know. <laughs> I got my swimming trunks and I've got my toothbrush. And I'm checking everything. And of course, this is a casual company. No friends. You don't sit there in the barracks and talk about the old days. And I'm fixing everything. I'm thinking about this. The next morning dawns bright and clear. It is Saturday, and exactly at 1 o'clock, I am due to get my pass, to get out of this hell of this company. I'm standing there in attention, and we go out and have this big parade, a great big regimental parade with the flags flying, everybody's marching, and the band's playing Semper Fidelis, and we're out there, and there's a general standing up there looking at you. That's a funny feeling. Have you ever seen these newsreels of all these guys marching, you know, with a gun? You know that, that, that thing you see? It's a strange feeling being one of them. Marching with this gun. This general's looking down. Flags flying. And now it's all over. It's 12 noon. I split back to the barracks. I put on my beautiful, clean, new suntans. I go down to the latrine. I'm shaving. Oh, man. When in comes this guy, a guy from my company, he walks up to me and says, hey, chef." I says, what? What? You know, I'm thinking of this chick. Oh, well, she, 20 minutes, I'm going to be out of this hellhole. Holy smokes. The hot water is coming. You know, I'm in there. He says, hey, chef." I says, what? He says, what'd you do? He says, what do you mean, what'd I do? Nothing. I'm here. I mean nothing. He says, they just yanked your past. Ah! <laughs> Blood squirts out. I says, what do you mean, yank my pass?" was just down to the orderly room, and somebody came in and says, Yank Shepherd's pass. It was a first sergeant, I think. I said, Yank, my pass. And immediately my mind raced. Oh, it's a case of mistaken identity. Must be. My nose is not only clean, I have cleaned four million chickens to keep it clean, you know. <laughs> I've done it all this week. I've marched, I've been flat-chested, flat-stomached, everything, you know. Yes, sir, and no. all said, I said, I'll play it cool. You know that first feeling? I'll pretend it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened. So I get all dressed up. I put my hat on. You know that snotty angle. <laughs> Pull it down. So I got my shiny belt on. Check. I got the little signal cord flags on, everything. You know? Okay. I go down to the orderly room. Now, the orderly room, for those of you who do not know what the orderly room is, it is the main office of a company there's a little fence inside the orderly room and sitting right inside the fence is a guy named the CQ or sometimes he's just a company clerk and back of him is a big desk that says first sergeant and then there's a door behind that desk that says Captain JL Watanabe CO 1372nd casual company known as the (laughs) hellhole You know, there's that thing. See, that's the way the orderly room works. And the guy that gives you the pass is that corporal sitting just inside the gate. So I come swinging in. So give me my pass. Shepard, one, six, oh, nine, eight, nine, four, six. He says, oh, Shepard, yeah, yeah. uh, Shepard, yeah, your pass is yanked. I'm sorry, no pass this week. It's true. And there were 10 guys behind me waiting for their pass. And there's that, you can almost feel them breathing. You know, all of a sudden, you know that feeling of, of, of moving away from a leper? You know, when one guy in your company is about to get fired, everybody shuns him. It's catching. You know, rottenness is catching. Trouble is catching. So immediately all these guys are drifting around. You know, nobody looks at me. They're saying, uh, Watson, one four seven zero nine eight says Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm standing there. I said, wait a minute, Corporal, just a minute. Ooh, the temperature was 900 degrees. It's getting hotter. And I said, wait a minute, Corporal, I want my pass. What do you mean, yank my pass? I said, I'm sorry, Mac. And just then, out of the office door, comes this little first sergeant. Green sunglasses. He looks like a Luftwaffe second lieutenant. <laughs> you know that kind of first sergeant, you know, big green sunglasses. He wore them when he was asleep, you know. He wore them in the rain. He wore them in the dark. He had these big green sunglasses, and he comes popping out of there, and he says, Yeah, Shepard, your pass is yanked. He just stood there, and the entire orderly room hung like an atom bomb. Nobody wanted to say anything. All just stood there. Guys are sort of walking, you know, their eyes are going
1: around.
0: Your pass is yanked, and I don't know what made me do it it was the heat. I said, why?
1: <laughs>
0: you know damn well why. I turned around. I walk out the door and all of a sudden I said, no, I don't know why. Then it began to bubble. A sun hit me. By now, my sun are wet. And you know that 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 crawling, creeping animal thing is beginning to come on. I don't know why. Am my passes, Yank? I'm outside on a porch now. I can I go and I says, "My pet, what do you mean, why, why?" And he says, "Oh, you're gonna get smart, huh?" And he comes out from behind that little door. You know the swinging gate, man. He comes out and he says, "Get out of the way, man Get out. Your passes, Yank. Out!" And he pushes me out the door. Well, I get out on the porch. And about 26 guys saw it, see. I'm out on the porch, and he shoves me out. This is the moment when I began to realize that each one of us is a dangerous killer. (laughs) Three years in the Army, this is a first sergeant gang. I turned on my heel. I don't know why. I grabbed that door and opened it up, and he's standing in the screen, see, looking out at me like Ma, you know, like mother. He's got, ooh, nothing but hate, malevolent haze. You know why your pass is yanked. Don't give me that jazz. And I reach in and I grab him. I says, did you shove me out of this door? He says, yeah. I says, you did, huh? He says, yeah. We stood face to face. This is a masculine confrontation. And then suddenly he goes, get out of here, get out of the way. And he shoves me. I go stab him down. And instantly I am up. You have no idea what you're capable of, man. Instantly, I'm up. I go up those stairs, over the porch, open the door. I grab that guy by the collar, and a second later, we are rolling down the stairs, slugging it out. (laughs) Madness! We're slugging it out, rolling in the dirt, and instantly, of course, the word spread all over the regiment. Shepard is beating the you-know-what out of Kowalski. (laughs) They can't believe it. You know, boom! And... the next thing I know, I'm, and he's only about five feet four. He's one of these little angry men. Well, I've got to point out that I am at the epic of my career. It's been three years, you know, and I have been through the desert sun and the heat, and I am solid whip steel. He hits me, and I belt him in the mouth. You have no idea how that feels. to really hit a guy in the mouth. I belled him in the mouth. His glasses fly. <laughs> first time I saw his eyes, you know. He gets up and he takes a wild swing at me like that and I see that gut. I go up like that. He raises up and goes over flat on his back and I could hear the cheers. Well, he gets up again and he's crying. Have you ever seen a first sergeant cry? It scares the hell out of you. He's crying. He's swinging wildly like this. And I felt him on the ear and down he goes. And all of a sudden, I see the flash of bars. And I realize where I am. There are those silver bars. And there's this guy. He's got this big hat. He's got this great big eagle up there. And he says, get up, both of you. Attention. All right, all you guys, back to your barracks. All right, get back to your barracks. Get up, Sergeant. I'm saying there is Sergeant Kowalski getting up his busted glasses. His ear is like a cantaloupe. He's crying. And he says, All right, let's go. Oh God. Have you ever had that feeling? Has, has anybody in a big blue uniform ever come up and put his hand on your shoulder and says, okay, come on, it's all over, let's go, let's go, lefty. Well, you know, we all have a secret feeling that any minute now we're going to get caught anyway. And so there I am walking behind this first lieutenant. He is the, he is the battalion adjutant. This is headquarters. And behind me I can hear the sergeant coming along and he's mumbling, he's swearing. He's crying. And the sun is hanging down over me. The temperature is 110 degrees. Somewhere, people were swimming. Somewhere, girls were waiting in Atlantic City. Somewhere, donuts were being prepared. And I could see GIs all dressed up and clean. They're kind of walking through that sunny haze on their way to the gate. And all that first sergeant kept saying was follow me follow me ten minutes later i am in a cell (laughs) have you ever sat in a cell friends i'm in a real cell with bars they have booked you they've taken your number and they've taken your dog tags and i'm sitting in a cell and all they got here here's you know here's a little sink There's a couple of bars in front of me. The temperature is 190 degrees in the cell. And there's a guy walking around out in front, back and forth in front of the cell. And across the hall, I see another cell. And sitting on a three-legged stool is guess who? (laughs) He's got his sunglasses back on. He ain't giving up. He's got those sunglasses back on. He's got his... His things all brushed off here, you know, and we both sat like that and in between us this guy Walking back and forth back and forth And it hit me The fantic enormity of hit me I had belted a first sergeant in the mouth on the ear in the gut I hit him on top of the head I had busted his sunglasses. <laughs> I had torn his stripes. And here I sat, condemned. And all those movies went through my mind. It's funny what you think about. I remember all those movies of Devil's Island. You know, I could see myself 25 years in Leavenworth. And I thought, what'll I tell my mom? How am I going to explain this to my mother? And I'm sitting there in this darkness. They have one light bulb hanging there. The sun is shining down. And I suddenly thought of that chick waiting for me in Atlantic City. I had back in my barracks bag for her, a two pound box of salt water taffy. (coughs) And I'm sitting there thinking about it. And the only thing that I could reach, only conclusion, it must have been the heat. It must have been the heat. And right now, at this very minute, out there in the darkness, there are thousands of guys about to do something because of the heat. The Gene Shepherd Show came to you from WOR Radio in New York, your station for news. For real fun at bargain prices, come on over to Palisades Amusement Park, where your entertainment dollars